You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. Thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my partner in crime, my sidekick. Really, uh, if you're a fan of this show, you know what I'm about to say. This guy is my everything. It's at Eric Glauber. Phil, great to be joining you as always. I know. Uh, it's nice to uh, <laughs> it's nice. That was a weird way to uh, respond to that, but. Uh, it is nice to uh, chat with you there, Eric. Um, what, did, what do you want me to say? Yeah, I know. I don't know. I don't know how you say it. I don't know yeah, how you say yeah. it. I'll, I'll do better moving forward. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, we've got a great show, though, in store for you. Uh, we'll be joined later on by ESPN football analyst Bill Barnwell. Eric, uh, you had a nice conversation with him, huh? Yeah, Phil talked about Drew Locke, Noah Fant, some of the off-season additions, which uh, Barnwell's a big fan of. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. I believe that he had the Broncos ranked number three in the NFL for their off-season moves that they made. So uh, dive into that a little bit. But the real thing that we want to talk about on this episode of the Neutral Zone is an interesting topic that you came up with, Eric. Well, as are most of the interesting topics that we discuss, you know, they tend to come oh. from me. I was going to say, it was like we have good collaboration, you know, teamwork, and I was going to bring up all of those things. But right. the one time you come up with a good idea, it's all you. Sorry that I responded for the second time now inappropriately and not in the way that you wanted. Uh, I'll send you my PowerPoint on how to podcast. I'd love to see a PowerPoint made by you. An award-winning. Yeah. A lot of ladies. <laughs> I, I bet there are. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, Phil, I mean, uh, I saw the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know if you've heard of them. The Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I'm aware. Yeah. So a, a blog, you know, which kind of what I do in some ways, uh, they were discussing if you could add one former cowboy to this year's roster in their prime, who would you add to the roster? And Roger uh, Staubach. Yeah. I mean, Try if, Try if you think that a, a quarterback from the 1970s or 60s or whatever Staubach played, you think, you think he would be good today? You just insulted a huge portion of, our listeners. Yeah, I think that that's probably expected at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, David Hellman, who covers the Cowboys for their team website, he's kind of, he's like us, Phil, in that he uh, is a company man. He would add prime DeMarcus Ware to the Cowboys, and that caught my attention since DeMarcus Ware played for the Broncos. Yeah, that's an interesting choice. <laughs> yeah, prime go prime to Marcus Ware from the Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he said that. Yeah, I think it was oh, just uh, maybe like good. DeMarcus Ware in 2005 or six when he had 10 million sacks. Got it, got it. So, so it got you the, thinking what former Bronco 
we would want to add to this year's roster. Yeah, I was getting there. And if this were a video, we would have gotten there a little bit faster. But this is a podcast, so we have time to, to I'm chat. Actually, I'm actually not aware of how much time has gone by because I fell asleep for a little bit. Got it. Okay, well, if I'll let DeMarcus know the next time I talk to him that uh, you don't care much for him. Uh, you're not interested in accolades that involve DeMarcus Ware. Did I say that in my sleep? <laughs> That's kind of what you're suggesting. Oh. Uh, but yes, Phil, I said, hey, if you could add one player from the Broncos past to this 2020 roster, who would it be? And we kind of said to ourselves, hey, let's not choose quarterbacks because that instantly, I think, just becomes a debate between John Elway, Peyton Manning, and Trevor Simeon. And so <laughs> that, um, you know, that's tough. Yeah, we decided no quarterbacks uh, because, like you mentioned, it would just come down to L.A. and Manning, and we want this discussion to be a little bit more uh, in-depth than that. Right. Maybe Trevor as the backup. Sorry, did you name somebody else? I didn't know you. <laughs> Very funny. Very. Trevor, you're welcome to join the pod at any time and uh, just blast Phil, really. So when we were in our production meeting for this show um, and we were going over <laughs> what we wanted to discuss and stuff, um, ironically, this wasn't included. Part of the problem was uh, that despite not saying quarterbacks, you and I came up with the same person. Yeah. And anytime I agree with you on something like this, it worries me, you know, that I've like overlooked something that I'm, why am I I've made a wrong right? decision? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. um, like you enjoy being wrong all the time. So then when you're right, you're like, uh oh. Yeah, I'm confused. But yeah, <laughs> we did, Phil, and uh, I'll let you share who we both came up with. But maybe we start there. And we did discuss after that some, some other good options. Yeah, I think so. Uh, we both came up with the same person who we'd like to add to this Broncos roster. Um, but then we were like, okay, let's address that. But then let's get into maybe some other options and maybe uh, talk about the process we chose to come up with uh, our guys. Uh, but uh, when thinking of former players that we'd like to see on this year's roster, we both came up with Champ Bailey. Yeah, and I think uh, you just talked about, hey, how do we how do we arrive at champ? Um, I thought to myself, what's the biggest weakness on this roster? Because uh, adding Shannon Sharp, as we talked about earlier, you know, that would be a tremendous addition. Shannon's great, you know, arguably the best tight end of all time. But I think Noah Fant is also a really strong player. And so jumping from Noah to Shannon is maybe not the biggest need on this roster. I think we both looked, Phil, at the cornerback position and said, who is going to play opposite A.J. Boye? Um, you know, even if Bryce Callahan's healthy and is in the slot, what are you going to do about that other cornerback position? And that's just a huge question mark for this team. And so to add a Hall of Famer like Champ, who would, you know, are you thinking 2006 Champ, Phil? Like 10 interceptions? Pratt. Prime champ. Yeah, I would say that uh, 2006 was his uh, – he was first-team All-Pro that year. Well, really, from 2004 to 2006, he was first-team All-Pro all those years. But, yes, that's the one where he had 10 interceptions. 
uh, return one for a touchdown. Um, I would say that's probably a pretty good year. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think that champ brings you some more leadership to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, though, you know, are we bringing 2006 champs like experience or do we get like current champs? Yeah. No, you get 2006 champ Bailey. And see, mm. I went about this like a little bit different than you, because instead of thinking about what current holes or weaknesses this year's team had, I immediately thought, OK, what Hall of Famers do the Broncos have and how do we add those guys? So um, Shannon Sharp was actually an idea I did have, um, not just because of the, how good of a tight end he was, but because of his locker room presence. And I think that uh, maybe one of the things that this year's roster could use, and I'm interested to see how uh, things play out, but sometimes, you know, maybe it's that second week in training camp. Maybe it's after that uh, first wave of the season. Maybe you're talking about like October when the days are long and, uh, you know, maybe your body's not And the nights great. are short. And the nights start to... Yeah, you know, like they're crisp. Uh, those days are hard, and uh, you know, it helps to have like a guy who lightens the mood and makes things fun, and and uh, adds something to a locker room where you want to show up and work hard um, every single day. And I think that Shannon Sharp could bring that uh, to this year's team. So, and obviously, he would lead by example. I mean, nobody worked out harder than Shannon Sharp. So. That's true. That's still true. You know, he still is in tremendous shape, as you like to tell him every time we see him. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, like he's asking me, like, what program I'm on, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I got to stay away from that one. <laughs> you know, no, usually yeah, I mean, I've seen him, it's after I've just polished off a thousand uh, curls. So, <laughs> yeah, you're sitting there like Ron Burgundy in your office. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, another guy, Phil, that came to mind for me, and, you know, I don't want to keep choosing Hall of Famers, but uh, as I went through the roster, you know, cornerback stands out, left tackle, just tackle in general really stands out to me is, you know, what, it, how do you answer some of the questions here? And so a guy like Gary Zimmerman, who, you know, made a bunch of Pro Bowls, three-time first-team All-Pro, um, you know, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you would say – I think he made three first-team All-Pros during his career. Two of them came in Minnesota in the late '80s. So, but I think I think because of the way this game works, maybe we'd have to choose 1996 Gary Zimmerman, which was a great version of Gary Zimmerman. I mean, correct. Yes. Yeah, I would never uh, that, say anything negative another, about him because he's much bigger great than I am. Choice. Another great choice. Uh, I think that uh, offensive line is an area where you could look at. You, you know, you could say maybe a guy like Tom Nalen, a center that, uh, you know, a ring of famer that that could be a welcomed addition. Gary Zimmerman, obviously, you would just not have to worry about blocking that left side of the line. Gary Zimmerman, Dalton Reisner right there would be amazing. So yeah. uh, and if you did that, this offense goes from potential to probably being, you know, it's, man. I don't want to be ridiculous like you and say 35 points a game, but I think you could argue that it could be a, a top 10 offense if you added one of the best left tackles of all time to a already good group. Like we've already mentioned on this show, 
so much is riding on Drew Locke and what he's able to do because if he plays well, like you just mentioned there, Eric, this could be a top 10 offense in the NFL if he plays well. So, um, and yeah. we've been hearing some reports about him uh, working out and throwing uh, with what with wide receivers and trying to get on the same page there. And um, hopefully uh, those things are going well. Yeah. I like the initiative there. It, it is interesting to though, consider if you were to take John Elway or Peyton Manning and put them on this team, what would they be able to do with this group? Because I think from a, a tight end perspective, from a wide receiver perspective, this group has the talent that's, you know, similar to the group's, uh, that Manning and Elway worked at when they were at their best. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would be amazing. I mean, uh, without a doubt, one of the top offenses in the NFL. Um, I will say one other name that we could go into in terms of former Broncos on this year's team is a guy like Randy Gratishar. He's not a Hall of Famer, but uh, – should be a Hall of Famer, but he's not a Hall of Famer. But if you just look at the numbers alone, and if we assume that these are uh, correct statistics, 10 years of play, and uh, according to uh, Jim Sacamano, he's been credited with over 2,000 tackles. Yeah, that's not bad. You think of you know, him at that linebacking position. Uh, you know, wouldn't have any issues in the run game, certainly. You know, we were trying to figure out, Phil, who's a guy that could could cover a Travis Kelsey. Um, and I think initially we were having some kind of a little bit of trouble figuring that out. I don't know if anyone yeah. has stuck out to you since, because that's the types of guys that can cover Travis Kelsey and play at that linebacker spot. I feel like those guys are still coming into the league. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, you're going to have to, yeah, you know, like nobody really in the past, you you would maybe have to bring in like a safety to come play at that. And like, maybe you would say like a guy like Steve Atwater would play safety nowadays, you know, and so uh, uh, would play linebacker nowadays. So like, you know, uh, he would have to play, learn a different position, you know, essentially. But yeah. Steve, um, if you're listening, Phil has suggested that even though you're a Hall of Famer, you need, should switch positions. He would have to be a linebacker nowadays. I mean, he made a living being a presence over the middle, right? And, uh, and you know, putting the fear of God into people. So Yeah, that's, that's what he's really going to do to you when you suggest he's not good enough to play safety. Um, now, even if you don't think that Gratishar's numbers are accurate – if you talk to other people who, who played that? with Gratishar, I'm saying there's some there's a notion out there that yeah. maybe Ben Swanson those statistics has, has raised that before. Ben Swanson has. Well, just in his, you know, he's a fact checker as a guy who's tried out for a podcast supervisor, so he just yeah he checks everything twice. He's kind of like a like our version of Santa. Oh, I see. Except he doesn't bring very many gifts. Yeah. No, well, there's only so much room in the backpack that he has. You know, like he's got all his his binoculars in there, his sketch pad. Yeah, it's full of uh, art equipment. Exactly. Um, so you know, not a lot of room for gifts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but what I was going to say was, if you talk to 
people who played with Gratishar or who coached Gratishar, they'll tell you that he was, I mean, I believe Woody Hayes, uh, his college coach at Ohio State said that he's the best player that he's ever coached. So, I mean, uh, take it for what you will. Maybe if you don't believe in his numbers, if you talk to people who, who played with him, they'll all tell you he was that good. Yeah, no, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, so maybe an outside the box one, and we Ooh. think Brandon Brandon McManus knows how much uh, you know he's done for this team and how valuable he was during the uh, run to Super Bowl Fifty. But you think a guy like Jason Elam, just because uh, outside of fifty, you know, or Matt Prater, one of those guys outside of fifty, tend to be a bit more reliable than Brandon. Um, That's true. So that could that's be. interesting. Had not thought about the kicker position uh, for that. Yeah. Um, I think Brandon yeah. is a, is a so high enough above replacement level that you, you wouldn't want to kind of waste your pick there to upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'd want maybe a position player who's just going to really make a big uh, impact, but yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, we've seen uh, McManus hit make a lot of big kicks, but we've also seen him, uh, uh on the other side of those things. And, um, you know, Jason Elam was really clutch. One of the best kickers in Broncos history, obviously a ring of famer now. So, uh, anytime a, uh, a kicker gets that sort of status, you know, that he was really good, you know? Yeah. And then I'm just trying to, you know, scan through in my mind, if there's any other positions that you'd, you'd want to uh, address, but I think they're, the team is in good shape. And that's why yeah. kind of this exercise is interesting is that one of these guys could take you from, you know, competing for a playoff berth to where if you added uh, Champ Bailey and Champ Bailey and Drew Locke plays well, you could say, Hey, this is a team with a real chance to contend for a title. Yes. Yeah. The, the, it's amazing the difference between, being not very good and like picking in the top 10 for a couple of years there to now, boom, you're like right back into what we think is a, you know, a playoff contending team. Uh, the margin is, you know, just a couple of players here or there, boom, you're right back into uh, the mix here. So um, yeah, you know, the one thing about the quarterback position I was thinking about this today was that like, you know, in Fangio's defense, you don't really need a guy like a champ Bailey to just lock down the other team's best wide receiver and just like not worry about that. That's not really how the defense is structured, you know, which is one of the reasons why you heard a guy like Chris Harris jr. Last year say like, maybe this wasn't a great fit for him. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure if like that would make like the, I mean, obviously adding a guy like Champ is going to put your defense in a much better position, but I like it just with the the style of defense. I'm not sure if that's a, like a huge need now that I'm thinking about it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we'll find out soon enough, you know, when, uh, you know, you play Ben Roethlisberger in week two, you play <laughs> Tom Brady in the Bucks in week three. Like, we're going to find out quickly if cornerback is a, a big issue. At times last year, Phil, even when they were playing with guys who were on the three deep, you know, it, it wasn't, it didn't seem like the secondary was getting torn up uh, super frequently. So uh, that's a decent point there. I mean, I wonder if a guy like, you know, Akib Talib, who again, we saw play a lot of man, obviously, in Wade's defense here, 
uh, but his ability to make game-changing plays and return interceptions for touchdowns, obviously he's near the top of the the all-time list. I feel like you need those game-changing plays on defense to really contend. Yeah, and obviously if you uh, had a guy like Champ or Keeve and you were like, go guard Tyreek Hill, that makes things a lot more easy. So uh, that would be very helpful to have somebody like that. But uh, my point was just more of like, Sanjo's defense is going to keep you in the game no matter what. Like last year, like there weren't very many games where the Broncos just like had no chance. Uh, right. And maybe outside and, of that Kansas City game at, at Kansas City. Yeah. Well, and you you think about it, even the ones where, you know, Buffalo, where you get somewhat blown out, like that was not because they were scoring at will. That was because the offense yeah. wasn't able to do anything. Um, yeah. So does that mean you are thinking about changing your pick from champ? No, I would still say champ would make the biggest difference, but I do think that maybe like a, someone on the offensive side of the ball might make a little bit of a better, bigger impact. Which Um, wide receiver would you add? If I had to pick a wide receiver? Yeah. Um. That's an interesting decision because I think probably the best wide receiver in team history would probably be Demarius Thomas. I would say just like from a, maybe Demarius Thomas, like Pete Demarius Thomas, peak Brandon Marshall, probably the two Mm -hmm. wide receivers that just like have the most God given ability. And then probably the person who worked the hardest at his, at, at the craft of playing wide receiver, Rod Smith. And obviously Rod Smith owns like all the major records for, for Broncos, you know, most receptions, most uh, receiving yards, you know, those things, but just I mean, in terms had, of just ability. If you had Cortland and DT as your two outside guys and Jerry Judy in the slot, you would arguably have the best wide receiving core in the league. Most definitely, yeah. Yeah. That would be that would be fun to watch too. That would be an interesting I hadn't thought about like, yeah. Because Pete Demarius Thomas, granted, he played with Pete Manning, so Right. But, but I mean that's but, the other the way to go about it is hey, instead of looking at a weakness here, what's like an area that you're already strong at that you could just make ridiculous? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But I think that's why you saw the Broncos like go out and address wideout so much. Yeah. Well, and they'll be good, but I don't think you're looking at this group and saying there's no way on earth we can possibly stop all these guys, especially with Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler as rookies. But if you added yeah. prime DT to that group, you'd yeah. be like, geez, what do yeah. we do here? Yeah. And even though the role of running back has been diminished, if you added peak Terrell Davis, 2,000-yard Terrell Davis – I mean, that would be amazing as well. Plus, people's minds would explode because you'd have TD and Philip Lindsay on the same team. Who would wear number 30? <laughs> yeah, big problem. TD. 
yes, I think I think Philip would uh, give it up in that case. Yeah. By the way, TD has been uh, repping some sports drinks and some men's fitness stuff, looking very fit. Maybe uh, you know. Going after Shannon. <laughs> so what yeah, you're saying? Maybe. maybe it's possible. Is it encroaching on his turf? Okay, so uh, let's wrap this. Uh, let's wrap this up. Who who do you want to say? You want to stick with Champ? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I would. Uh, you know, if people out there have opinions and want to let us know, they can always yeah, tweet can at us. Seven oh seven neutral. You can yeah. just call in and leave a voicemail. We'll play yeah, it on seven oh seven neutral. Yeah, tell us who your pick is, or send an email to neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. What was, we uh, just confirm that that's right. Yep, neutralzoneshow yeah. at gmail.com. We don't even need that, Swanson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to check this. Yeah. What's our Twitter? Milani. Yeah, what's our Twitter? Oh, at Phil Milani. At Broncos, and then, uh, at Broncos Audio. At yeah. Phil Milani. At Eric with an A. Just a lot of basically, ways <laughs> if you go online, you can find a way to reach us. And I know this is very confusing to people. It's confusing to people on YouTube. It's confusing to people who leave a comment uh, for the mailbag segment that is called Ask Eric. You know, it literally has my name in it. And then people go down and it says, do you have a question for Eric? And then they type E-R-I-C. Here's my question. So yeah, it's a little confusing, but uh, my Twitter handle starts with an A. Uh, Rich. Correct. Yeah. Think okay. of it that way. Yeah. You'll never uh, go wrong. That's what I mean. People who listen to our show know a Rick of the Week. So, right. Well, it's not a, that's only an in season sort of thing. So, correct. But I'm saying at least that helps people understand. That's true. Yeah. Man, I'm going to start uh, coming up with some Ricks of the Week. Yeah. After one season worth, uh, you're almost out of Ricks. Yeah. Well, maybe hopefully, uh, People have forgotten somewhat who the Rex historical. Were. Yeah. Exactly. Historical. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe some Richards, you know, King Richard. Could be nice. Spring, yeah. Spring those, bring those out. But now, uh, now Phil, that people have heard us talk about football, we could, we could loop an expert in here. Was that a Eric Delala transition? A patented, patented Eric wow. Lala transition. Yeah, I'm glad you smooth, noticed. Smooth operator. That should be your Twitter handle, at smooth operator. That's probably taken. Yeah, probably. Uh, okay, but yeah, yeah let's go ahead and uh, hear from somebody. <laughs> yeah, let's get to my conversation with ESPN's Bill Barnwell. Had some uh, interesting thoughts after going back to watch Drew Locke's five starts. Bill, we know uh, you're one of the most insightful ESPN writers, really go in-depth on stuff, but a guy that maybe no one knows too much right now about is Drew Locke. Uh, what are your thoughts on him based on a very limited sample size, and can you make maybe some floor or ceiling type comparisons for him of guys that are currently in the league? Oh, boy. Um, yeah, I mean, let, let me start with, with this, and I'll be honest about my, my Drew Locke opinion. Last five games of the year for the Broncos, I saw bits and pieces. I, didn't, I watched them. You know, obviously by that point in the year, I'm focusing on teams. Last going to make the playoffs. 
Um, so I said, okay, I'm going to watch Drew Locker in the offseason. And numbers looked fine. And I said, okay, well, you know, I know the Chiefs game. Let's throw that out the window. No big deal because it's a, a snow game. And, you know, I don't want to really consider that. I went back and watched all five games a couple weeks ago, um, right before the draft, or right after the draft, excuse me. And I was impressed. You know, I, I was someone who I, I watched in the preseason. I know he had struggled. Or sorry, I, I had been aware of he was, he was, you know, not getting the best reviews, um, you know, in August. And so I, uh, you know, was sitting here saying, okay, well, that's not a good sign if you're a second-round pick, if you're, you know, teams not thrilled about you necessarily. But he was a guy who, you know, watching him week after week, not only did I see why the Broncos would like him, but also I saw him grow. You know, I saw a guy who, you know, was athletic, who could make big throws, who seemed comfortable at times. Um, I saw a guy who, um, you know, was always putting the ball in the right place. I saw a guy who, um, when he was pressured, um, you know, was able to escape that pressure. And then crucially, I think this was such an important skill, reset quickly and then make throws that were accurate over and over again. Really saw that consistently. Um, you know, I thought it was great. Decision-making, you know, good, uh, pretty good, certainly for, for a rookie. You know, some mistakes here and there, some mistakes that were like that, I think. I think there was one pick that was liked out by a uh, either a, a penalty on the defense, penalty on defense, I believe, um, where I was like, oh, off the bad decision. But generally, pretty good. Some mistakes here and there. Um, the one thing that came to mind was, you know, sort of watching him in the pocket. I did see some, you know, some struggles uh, when it came to, you know, his comfort in the pocket. Still a guy who I think, you know, was very aggressive to escape um, at the hint of pressure, and that can be tough. I mean, you look at someone like Baker Mayfield, and uh, that was something that really sunk Baker Mayfield last year, is that he didn't really have a plan for when he felt pressure, and it came to the point where he was expecting pressure on pretty much every snap, and then uh, on top of that, you know, kind of went to a place where teams know, okay, we don't have to rush the pocket, we can just rush, you know, the edges of the pocket, and Baker's going to come to us on the edge, as opposed to you know, having to even worry about him in the pocket, so... Um, you know, I, I don't, the comparison part might be tough because I don't want to, you know, I don't think we have enough to say, okay, this is definitely what his floor is, definitely what his ceiling is. I mean, he's obviously super athletic. And, and when you think about your prototypical quarterback, you want someone who's big, who's athletic, you know, who can make good decisions. And I think Zulak has that possibility in him. And if you look at someone and say, okay, he's not the guy, there's just no way he's going to be a, a franchise quarterback. You see someone who struggles with pressure who makes questionable decisions, and that could still also be Drew Locke. So I, I think, you know, the floor and ceiling could go in a number of different directions at this point. So I think just, you know, I, I was certainly uh, pleasantly surprised relative to my expectations watching him on tape. Bill, the Broncos obviously decided, for better or worse, they were going to build around him this offseason, added Jerry Judy, Melvin Gordon, K.J. Hamler, of some of those guys, and then you toss in Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Philip Lindsay. Uh, what sort of impact do you think they can make for Drew, and maybe which of those guys are you most intrigued to see this fall? Yeah, I'll start with the second question, actually. Noah Fant is someone who I thought looked so good uh, with Locke in the lineup, and obviously, you know, a couple of plays were, not fluky for a while, but a couple of plays were, like the, I think it was the first Texans catch Fant had, where he made a catch and then, you know, turned, like it was almost nearly an interception, so he basically got to turn up field for like 33 yards. But that's not really... What I'm thinking about here, but a guy who was consistently productive, a guy who was a mismatch one-on-one, a guy who made plays beyond that one Texans catch. Um, you know, I think there's a lot to be excited about because even even the best rookie tight ends 
don't have big seasons. And Fast had a pretty good year. So I'm really excited to see if he's going to be, you know, a, a, a difference maker. There's a chance he could be, you know, a guy who's athletic, but isn't consistent week to week, um, which is true for a lot of fans. But still, you can have a good career doing that. But if he can be a week to week difference maker the way he was in the last five weeks of 2019, that's a scary, scary player. Um, especially if you have Courtney Sutton, who looked great last year, you know, occupying safeties with Jerry Judy, who looks like one of the best prospects in one of the deepest wide receiver classes in league history, um, you know, occupying the ball on the other side. You know, you could have Jerry Judy, or sorry, you could have uh, uh, Noah Fett, I still think it's a safety or a linebacker in every single play, and that's probably going to be a mismatch. Um, and I think to the bigger point about, about uh, Locke, you know, I think whether he's the guy or not, at the end of the day, your best chance of having uh, a quarterback succeed is surrounding him with the right people. And I think about Patrick Mahomes, and I know it's a, a very exciting comparison and also a, a dangerous comparison to make in the AFC West. I'm not comparing Locke to Mahomes, but with Mahomes, Mahomes is a guy who was very inconsistent. I think it's fair to say in college, a guy who, you know, had some habits uh, on the football field that were, you know, exciting when it came to his you know, ability to make magic happen. But uh, a guy who did not have that, that play-to-play consistency. And so there were teams that were not super excited about Mahomes. And, um, you know, when I go back and think about what I saw and what I heard and what I spread, you know, from teams at the time and, and you know, people who studied the draft really closely at the time, you know, the idea was, hey, he has, now he has Andy Reid around him. That's the best quarterback coach probably in the league when it comes to developing any kind of quarterback, whether Michael Vick or Kevin Cobb, you know, on and on and on. Um, so then, obviously, with Patrick Mahomes, that first year he was a starter, I ranked the weapons for ESPN every year. And I thought the Chiefs were the best weapons in football. They had Creep Hunt. They had uh, Harry Hill, of course. They had Sammy Watkins, they had just signed. They had Travis Kelsey. They were so many weapons. I said, okay, well, you can't be Reed, and you have these weapons. Patrick Mahomes could be pretty good pretty quick. Now, I didn't think he was going to be that good. I'm not going to pretend he's, I thought he was going to be that good. But, you know, they did everything to put a quarterback prospect who was promising but had some question marks in the best situation to succeed, and they got an MVP caliber campaign. Now, with Drew Locke, again, Drew Locke could be an ordinary quarterback in the long run. Who knows? But he has the best possible chance of succeeding because I think they did a great job surrounding him with the pieces he needs. The weapons, I think, you know, are some of the best in football on paper. I'm someone who honestly is pretty skeptical of Melvin Gordon. But when Melvin Gordon is healthy and not fumbling the football, he could be a very productive back. Um, I think the receiving court, wide receiver, you can't question what they add in the tight end. You know, I think Noah Fant could be a possible star. Um, the offensive line, obviously, is still a question mark. They did sign Grant Glasgow. Um, I was a little surprised at how much it cost, but, you know, a guy who was a professional guard, uh, Richard played well last year. Gary Bowles, obviously, is a major, major question mark at left tackle. And, you know, I, I, the one the one sort of demerit you'd have for their offseason and offense would be, uh, you know, not addressing that left tackle position further. But I do think at the end of the day, you know, whether Drew Locke is a average quarterback in a vacuum, whether he's a good quarterback in a vacuum, whether he's a great quarterback in a vacuum, they've done so much to make Drew Locke better and, and give him a better chance of succeeding. So, um, you know, I think you have to credit them. And I think it's, a, you know, certainly, you know, a logical plan from John Elway. You, Bill, you mentioned uh, you're a fan of the Broncos offseason. You ranked them third in a recent ranking of all NFL teams in their offseason. And I know a, a move that you were a fan of was the trade for Jarrell Casey, sending a seventh-round pick over the Titans. Uh, what do you think he does for Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb, and how does that front seven now stack up? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great 
Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I'm excited to see what he does with Vic Fangio. I mean, you know, that was a much better defense last year after Mike Purcell came in at no tackle. Um, they were able to bring back Shelby Harris, who, you know, didn't get the kind of market he was expecting. Uh, I thought that was a good move. But, yeah, I think Casey's just a, you know, he's an interior disruptor. He's not the same guy maybe he was three or four years ago where he was one of the most underrated players in the league. But he's still an above-average interior piece. And I think a guy who, you know, with uh, with Dick Banjo, if it's a coordinator, we've seen, you know, Keen Hicks. Uh, that's a good example of a guy who, you know, has been a, a major force on the interior um, in this defense. Now, can Joel Casey be as good as a Keen Hicks? I would be skeptical, but can he be a guy who, you know, does make an impact on the interior, does give quarterbacks something to worry about when they step up in the pocket to avoid those rushers from the edge? Can he be a guy who creates, you know, rush lanes for Ron Miller uh, and for Bradley Chubb on twists and stunts and, and, and TE games? Yeah, he can for sure. Um, you know, is he going to be an every-down player? I, just play, I don't know. You know, I think he, he's probably someone you on a spot. Um, maybe give him, you know, a couple of downs off here and there, but I think he's still 30. It's not as if he's 35, 36. It's not as if he's at the very end of his career. I mean, Tennessee only really was going to move on because they had, you know, a cap situation where they needed to commit money to Ryan Tannehill and probably uh, in the months to come, Derek Henry. And then, um, you know, they had drafted Jeffrey Simmons, who looks to be a promising player, but wanted to create a spot in the lineup for him. So, you know, I think Casey could be a guy where we're sitting here into the year saying, man, you know, getting him for really, you know, a seventh round pick is one of the best deals in football. And then Bill want to move to the back end of the Broncos defense. They let Chris Harris walk, uh, traded for A.J. Boye, still kind of some unknowns there with Bryce Callahan, who hasn't played since 2018. But then at safety, have Kareem Jackson and, and Justin Simmons. Oh, what do you think about that group and uh, kind of what you need to see from them, maybe at the cornerback position? I got to see them all on the football field at the end of the day, right? You know, Bryce Callahan – um, you know, made his mark in Chicago as one of the better slot corners in the league. But the the dangerous words are always when healthy. And Callahan did struggle to stay healthy in Chicago. And then, of course, missed his entire debut season with the Broncos. So, um, I, you know, at this point, can he count in the playoff 16 games? Probably not. But uh, if you can get 13, 14 games out of Callahan, I think you're going to have a pretty good slot cornerback. Um and then you think about A.J. Bouye, a guy who was a star. You know, his final year in Houston and on first year in Jacksonville, he was one of the best cornerbacks in football. Um, was that a product in Jacksonville of playing next to Jalen Ramsey? I, I don't think so. I think he did play, you know, pretty well um, on, on paper, watching him on tape. I mean, he was every bit as good as Ramsey was. And then last two years has not been quite as effective, unfortunately. Um, I, I think it was a logical sort of, you know, bio move, thinking, okay, we can get a guy who – you know, still only 28, a guy who can be a difference maker, who looked like a star a couple of years ago, um, you know, as a replacement for Chris Harris. Um, I, I like that move. I, I still think, you know, they're still not all that great at the other cornerback spot. We'll see what happens in the months to come, of course. But, um, you know, I, I, I think if these guys, if we get the, the versions that we're expecting, maybe that we've seen in the recent past, we've seen in 2017, this could be a scary unit because the safety group is, is one of the best in all of football. And Green Jackson, Justin Simmons, I mean, just that, that Texas game alone for Green Jackson was one of the most productive games we've seen from a safety all year. And Justin Simmons, of course, is a you know a superstar. So, um, you know, I, I do think the good thing is that look at the Fancio's history. He's had a, a track record of developing corners and getting the most out of them. So um, I do think he can, you know, maybe get the most out of Bouye uh, and the guys behind him here in 2020. <laughs> Bill, I know you mentioned the Broncos should maybe consider uh, signing one of these veteran 
offensive tackles. If you had to choose between a tackle and a, a veteran cornerback there to play the other side opposite Boye, which direction would you go? I would go tackle for sure. I just think, you know, I think Fangio's history developing cornerbacks makes me think that maybe, you know, one of the guys, maybe Devontae Bosby, maybe, um, you know, a, a guy in this roster could develop into something at the, you know, really it'd be a starter, but really at the third best cornerback on this team. Whereas I just, you know, let tackle, I mean, it just has not happened for, for Jared Bowles. And I think, you know, at this point, you want to have everything in line for Drew Locke. You want to keep him as healthy as possible. So um, I, I would prefer going out and getting one of the tackles on the market. You know, if you have three, four million dollars left to go out and spend, I just think it makes more sense. And then uh, ahead of last season, Bill, you projected the Broncos offense, I think 31. They ended up 28, so pretty spot on there. Do you see much improvement uh, this year? And then I guess the million-dollar question for Broncos fans, have they done enough in a really competitive AFC West to challenge for a playoff spot? Yes. I mean, you know, in terms of the offense, do you expect it to be better? Of course. Um, you know, I do expect the weapons to be improve. I expect the offensive line to be, you know, more effective, hopefully healthier. I mean, obviously, Jawan James was not uh, 100%, you know, last year and did this time. Um, you know, I, I think it comes down to a lot, you know, in terms of the, you know, the broader uh, production. I think, you know, um, it was tough to evaluate, of course, last year. I think Joe Flacco, you know, played the game with Jawan James, and then he was gone for the rest of the year, and then um, cycled through quarterbacks, eventually Locke comes in, the offense plays better. I think they were better than their record through the 11 games without Locke, and then, um, you know, they got a little lucky here and there at the end of the game, so thinking about the, you know, that game where they were tied with the Chargers heading into overtime, and then Locke kind of tosses up a prayer, and then it becomes a pass the Bruins call, sets up a game-winning field goal. Um, the Raiders, of course, that week 17 game where they, you know, not the Raiders were, not lucky for the right one word, but again, they could have gone either way when the Raiders go for two to try and win the game, and then they, you know, uh, car pass got knocked down, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, you know, I think they could be, a team that maybe that, that's born on record maybe overstates how they played over the final five games of the year. So to me, I, I think they're a middle of the pack team. And I think uh, the, the biggest concern for them is, is the schedule. Because I know it's at ESPN, we project their schedule based on um, our football power index last year, which is not, you know, it's based on a number of factors, not just, you know, last year's record, which I think is a, a difficult way to project schedule. And we have the Broncos with, I think, the toughest schedule in all of football. I mean, playing the NFC South is rough. Uh, the NFC is not as bad as it was in years past, but um, the division in the AFC West is going to be difficult. When you get uh, the Steelers, I think they're going to be much better, you know, than their record was a year ago after getting Ben Roethlisberger back. So um, we're projecting them at, at the toughest schedule in all football. That's going to be extremely difficult. Um, and then it's health. I mean, so many guys in this roster, you know, you sit there and say, hey, you know, if, if they're healthy for all 16 games, that guy's a star. He could be a phenomenal football player. Um, but you have guys coming off injuries. You have guys who don't have a great track record of health. So, you know, uh, could they, if Patrick Mahomes gets injured, could they win the division? Yeah, of course. Not out of the question. They're super talented and have a lot of guys who have upside. Could they struggle because they have a tough schedule and they're, they're, you know, they're a good week, week but they you know, come short here and there and then lock you from the quarterback maybe that we're hoping for? Um, yeah, it's also not out of the question. So to me, I think, you know, I would, if I had to pick a record and I had to guess, I would say somewhere in the 8-8 eight eight range. But, um, you know, upside to be better and then I think downside to be worse. Well, Bill, thank you so much for your time. Again, everyone, that was Bill Barnwell of ESPN. You can follow him on Twitter at Bill Barnwell. Bill, we really appreciate your time. Yeah, of course. Anytime.
that Phil was my conversation with Bill Barnwell. Uh, thanks to him for coming on to talk about Drew Locke, Noah Fant, and expectations for this season. Uh, Phil, if we could, maybe just want to see if you agree with Bill in general about breaking the Broncos offseason third in the NFL. He had them behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after the Cleveland Browns at number two, but ahead of teams like the Colts, like the Cowboys, the Buffalo Bills, Miami Dolphins. I mean, obviously the list goes on, but I don't know. What do you think about the kind of this national perception that the Broncos are in the top three in the league in terms of what they accomplish? I think that that's probably justified. I think uh, number three is uh, pretty good. I'm surprised that he didn't have, uh, you know, Arizona higher. He, he had Arizona sort of way back. I thought that move to get DeAndre Hopkins was tremendous. Um, but obviously Barnwell likes a lot of the free agent moves and bringing in a guy like Melvin Gordon, he highlighted, uh, being able to, uh, acquire AJ Boyer and Jarrell Casey, you know, obviously good moves there. And then what they were able to do in the draft and surround Drew Locke. Um, yeah, I mean, we've got, we've talked about the off season a lot and I think that's why expectations are so high for this Broncos team. Um, the Browns, that was a interesting, you know, um, you know, they replaced Freddie Kitchens with uh, Kevin Stefanski. Um, that right there is enough to, you know, uh, put you in the conversation, I think. And, you know, I think a lot of these teams like, uh, you know, the Browns and the Broncos certainly, uh, you know, it depends on quarterback play. So um, the roster is there now, though. And then obviously Tampa Bay bringing in touchdown Tommy all right let's let's just relax um yeah yeah I think it's interesting that Cleveland is right there with the Broncos because I think there's a lot of similarities between Cleveland from this time last year and where the Broncos are now in terms of you know the, the Browns added all those offensive weapons last year they got Odell uh they had Baker coming into his second season uh, people were talking about the Browns winning the division, certainly making the playoffs for the first time in forever. Uh, and nothing really went right. And that's one of the things, obviously, we just heard Bill talk about was that Baker was expected to play to a certain caliber and did not. And so we have to see Drew live up to that. And to me, you don't want to, for as much excitement as there is, around the Broncos, I hope they can use last year's Browns team as kind of a template of what not to do because that team talked a lot, lost a lot of games at the beginning of the season and put themselves in a hole that they couldn't get out of. And then this year they added a couple of tackles. You know, they're, they're a better team in Cleveland than they were last year, but still, you know, now you're at a point where like you, you, you have to do it or else, you know, maybe Mayfield's not the quarterback there. Maybe, they're looking at a bunch of changes. And so I just hope the Broncos kind of look at that as a cautionary tale of, Hey, we've got everything right there in front of us. We've got all these weapons, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen necessarily. Like you still have to go there, go out there and win the games and, and do it. Yeah. And, you know, I think that uh, that's not the first time I've heard some comparisons between the Broncos and the Browns. I think Peter King brought that up uh, a couple of months ago. I think the big difference there is one personality. I think that um, 
you know, there's a lot of personality there in Cleveland, you know, in that locker room. And I, you know, heading into last season, there were a lot of people saying, how are they going to navigate some of that? And I do think that um, Drew Locke has some of those Baker Mayfield qualities in terms of confidence and the way he carries himself. But I also think that Drew might be a little bit better of a leader just in terms of, you know, he's not out on social media and, you know, the way he carries himself in press conferences, just a little bit more refined there where um, maybe Baker, as we saw last year, get into a little bit of trouble. Um, So that's one difference. And then the other difference is that, you know, Freddie Kitchens was going into his first time ever being a head coach. You know, um, there were some question marks heading into last season if he was the right choice. They had had a lot of turnover there in Cleveland. Um, I think the Broncos situation seems a little bit more stable. And uh, you know what you're going to get in Vic Fangio now heading into his second year. Um, But, yeah, I think the general idea of Drew needing to be able to take that jump from year one to year two, that's where it's going to really be. And we've seen a lot of quarterbacks do that in the NFL recently. You know, Colin Cowherd was uh, talking about a few of them the other day saying, you know, you looked at Carson Wentz jump from his rookie year to his sophomore year. You saw um, Patrick Mahomes do that. And then last year, obviously Lamar Jackson did that too. So um, I think Drew has carried himself that way this off season where he's been working hard, um, appears to be very fit. And uh, he's been trying to work out, you know, throw with his teammates. So, uh, you know, hopefully uh, Drew's staying in that playbook and, you know, hopefully his best friend is Pat Shermer. Yeah. I mean, he can, maybe he has a different best friend, you know, you can have a lot of best friends. Who, who else would be uh, Drew's best friend? Do you think? Like maybe Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy or Noah Fant, Dalton Reisner. Yeah. We know that he's best friends with Dalton Reisner. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I just, I think, uh, another reason, Phil, that to me, the Broncos don't, aren't necessarily the Browns is that that Cleveland team didn't do anything particularly like great coming out of 2018. You know, there were all these expectations about the offense being ridiculous with Baker and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, uh, David Njoku, like all those guys. But the defense ranked 20th in points allowed the year before. Whereas the Broncos, we know how good the defense is. You know, that's a top 10 unit. And so already being really good at something, I think, takes some of the pressure off the offense to be spectacular right away. Whereas I think Cleveland, to some degree, they had to be spectacular on offense because the defense wasn't, uh, you know, already great. Yeah, the pressure was on the offensive side of the ball there to really step up and show what they were capable of. And and I think you saw, you know, things boil over there. <clears throat> you know, we saw the whole situation yeah. with Miles Garrett and everything. And, you know. Uh, Let's hope that doesn't just, happen. Yeah. I just think that uh, things, you know, weren't going well and frustrations were building and I mean, I'm not saying that's what happened there with Miles Garrett, but I mean, I just think that the whole way that Browns' season unfolded last year wasn't what they were hoping for or expecting. So, um, 
But yeah, this Broncos defense should be really good. And they get Bradley Chubb back too. So Yeah. And I think this is the time of year when you just don't really know what's going to happen. And I would just that's where I would extend the word of caution is that everyone's so excited about the Broncos. Colin Cowherd is he's gonna pick up to win the Super Bowl, I think, before June is over. And uh, he said that he wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos won the West. Exactly. So the next step then by the end of June is that the Broncos are going to win Super Bowl 55. Um, but I would just say that, you know, as easily as this team can make a jump to 10 and six, you could see the same things. Go, yeah. You could see the same things go wrong and lose these one score games. And all of a sudden you're at the end of the year and you're like, what happened? Um, and so it does seem like you said, Phil, that Drew Locke and the offense are doing everything possible to make sure that doesn't happen. But I'll feel a lot better if the team, you know, comes out week one and is, imp- you know, is as impressive defensively as we think. But then Drew also kind of shows some of that potential when you you get a win over a good team. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there has to be some patience where people don't get upset right away, too, if it's not working well. You know, right. it, it's going to take time to make that offense a finely tuned machine. You know, sometimes uh, if you got a nice sports car, you don't just hop in and uh, peel out. You know, you got to let the engine warm up a little. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you uh, turn on your vehicle. I just peel out. No, you, I mean, it's a very nice car, of course. So you have to let it, yeah. you know, you drive a Ford, right? Um. Yeah, Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, exactly. That's what I drove. Yeah. Yeah. What was it Yvonne was saying a couple of years ago? You don't put normal gas in uh, in a Ferrari. I think that was like after... you don't put you don't put french fries in a Ferrari or something. I think I think it was uh he after he had some uh, pretzels at the movie theater. And you know, trees don't upset. grow in the shade. I think is what he said. <laughs> That's a different uh, quote. I forgot who said that one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm mixing up my analogies here. I'm not even sure if the car analogy even made sense what I said. Yeah. There have been some great analogies in the history of Broncos media. That's true. But That's true. DeMarcus Ware. You know, if you're picking a guy to return in his peak form to uh do a press conference, yeah, yeah DeMarcus yeah, exactly. is probably the choice there. Yeah. Well, Shannon is probably pretty good. Keith Burns would be really good. Um, some of these guys would there in the all-star. We should do like a, another episode where it's just the media all-stars. Yeah. Do you think fans care about the media? Like what you like? Like, hey, here's the best. Hey, let's rank the best podcast interviews we've ever done. Or do you think people yeah. are interested in that? It depends. I mean, if if they're a fan of... I mean, if of they're a fan sport? of the show. Of competition? Yeah. yeah. A lot of programs do that, like, around the holidays. Like, they'll be like, here's our best interviews from the year. What's wrong with doing that? That's true. That's true. Yeah. We could do it. Yeah. We could make it happen. Maybe uh, in July, this show will just be, like, elevator music. Yeah. Like, best of the neutral zone. It'll just be nothing because none of it's ever been good. Jeez. <laughs> wow pretty hurtful right there just kidding that's that's just a joke phil that's like some self-deprecating humor and then our listeners will respond and say the show's great 
That Bill Barnwell interview you just did might be on there, huh? That's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I that's what I thought after just listening to it. You know, I thought maybe that could be could be right there. Yeah, yeah. I always do appreciate how you listen to these before we record. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just heard it during the recording right now, and then also right, but, during yeah, our production then, meeting. Right. And then afterward, you'll go back and you'll listen to it again, you know, uh, when we watch film of the podcast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Correct. That's when we're like, Phil, okay. like, try not to fall asleep here. Or like, Eric, you made too good of a point at this juncture. Who's normally running those meetings? Uh, ben Swanson. Got it. Yeah. 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 The only way to get better is to go back and watch correct mistakes. You know, we like to treat the show like a, almost like a football team. You know, we got right. corrections. You know, makes sense so. to me. Yeah. Usually I just read the uh, iTunes comments and cry. We love those. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, you think you want to do some shout outs or what do you think? That could be nice. Yeah. Yeah, let's. Uh, I think we get to that point in the show where we do our shout outs. Uh, Eric, I, I would shout out the uh, players, uh, the Broncos as a whole, organizing, uh, coming together and uh, showing up at the Denver protests. I thought that was really a, a tremendous job uh, showing leadership. And, um, you know, a lot of guys stepped up to the microphone and addressed the crowd, a huge crowd down there at Civic Center Park. And uh, after that, they led a march through the streets of Denver. And I thought that was a, it was a very moving moment. And, uh, you know, I felt fortunate that I was able to uh, be there and experience that. Yeah. You were there. Liz Manis was there. That's true. Shout out to Liz Manis. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought Justin Simmons and Devonte Bosby in particular were inspiring, had good messages. Uh, I would recommend everybody kind of go back and, look through some of the content that we posted uh, just to kind of get a sense for what these guys, you know, why they were there and what they hope to accomplish. Um, and maybe the most meaningful message is that Simmons said, I'm not here cause I'm a Bronco. I'm here cause I'm, I'm here cause I'm a member of this community. And so uh, I've been impressed Phil to see how he's developed into a community staple over the last four years and a leader of this team. So, uh, I know everyone's yeah. hoping that a, a deal will get done, but regardless, it's nice that he he's here, you know. Most definitely. I think sometimes uh, when you see them just play on Sundays, um, you sort of think of them as just a football player, but they're also just normal people too. So, um, you know, he was good. And then, uh, you know, we heard that Kareem Jackson and Todd Davis also really were help, helped to organize the deal and saw them on uh, Good Morning America this week. So um, Broncos definitely getting out there. Von Miller also uh, wrote a piece uh, in Time Magazine himself. So uh, the Broncos are getting their voice out. And uh, good to see them uh, being vocal about things that really matter to them. So uh, shout out to the players and uh, Liz Manis, of course. Right. Uh, all right. Anything else uh, to get to here before we, uh, oh, Phil, I think that was a nice, uh, 
nice little episode. Yeah. What player would you want to bring back from Broncos history and add them to this roster currently? Let us know. 707 Neutral, leave a voicemail. Neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at Broncos Audio, at Eric Delala with an A, at Phil Milani with a PH. Um, and also our thanks to uh, Bill Barnwell, at Bill Barnwell on Twitter uh, for talking about the Broncos offseason moves. I think, Eric, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to move on from the offseason and get into the season. We're close. We're very close. Just uh, a few weeks away. Yeah. It's been a weird offseason. Normally at this point in the year, we feel like there's uh, sort of a break or like a period where it's like not much activity and you get away for a little bit. I don't know about you, but it doesn't feel like that to me. Yeah, no, I agree. We get to this middle of June portion where OTAs are ending, minicamp is coming to a close and things go quiet until the middle of July. But I have a feeling, Phil, that there's going to be news all the way up to training camp begins. Yeah. And, you know, without the players being back in the building um, and practicing out on the field, it doesn't feel like the off season is about to come to a close. And then, you know, there's going to be training camp in six weeks. It just sort of feels like an ongoing off season um, that's been anything but normal. Although we did see Broncos coaches uh, return to the facility this week. Yep. Another good step in the right direction. Yes. And uh, we'll uh, make sure to bring you the very latest anytime uh, something happens, but we'll be back next week with another episode of the show. Until then, for Eric Dalala and Phil Milani, this has been The Neutral Show. The Neutral Show. Show.